Hello and welcome to Wise, Wink with Sherwood's podcast series where we discuss themes and topics within English law. We are joined today by Jamie Barton and Richard Perkins, who are both partners in our commercial real estate team. We'll be discussing in this episode the, how coronavirus might affect the commercial property sector with a particular focus on the impact on drafting of rent suspension clauses. Richard and Jamie, a very warm welcome to you both. So to start us off, what do you think or what are you starting to see in the market at the moment? One of the first questions that we were asked by landlords and tenants alike when lockdown became an inevitability was, do tenants still have to pay the rent under their leases? And in almost all cases, the answer to that is yes. From the landlord's perspective, I've seen differing approaches depending on the nature of the request. One particular tenant, a substantial PLC, decided to write to all its landlords seeking a 10% rent reduction across its portfolio on the basis of their assessed impact of the coronavirus on their business. The landlord didn't see that there was much science behind that proposal and declined to cooperate and the tenant has since paid the full rent and continues to do so. The other approach that the landlord received was from a professional firm who was seeking assistance in terms of cash flow over a limited period. And for that tenant, the landlord agreed to reduce the rent for 12 months to the amount required to service the landlord's loan, which assisted the tenant, obviously, but also kept the landlord on good terms with its funders. So it's it's been a mixed bag. Uh, I'm aware that there are some occupiers who are managing to negotiate reductions in rent or rent suspension into their leases. Well, yes, yeah, so I, I see it more from the tenant's perspective. But just going back to the point you made, it's so difficult because there isn't really a one-size-fits-all fair approach to this at the moment each particular sort of fact needs to be looked at at its circumstances have we got um a tenant where if they get the rent suspension it might save thousands of jobs and allow them to carry on um at the same time you might have a tenant with big cash reserves who's sort of making proclamations to the market about how well it is prepared to cope with this and i think generally people see the you know landlords who are, who are sort of bullying the tenants but actually a lot of the time they've got issues with their own funders um, or it might be someone's personal pension pot ready there yeah. to pay you know, is their income. But but I am seeing it more from the tenant's perspective, particularly where you're coming up to lease expiry um, or if a tenant's got a break and they're looking to re-gear their lease. And we are increasingly seeing rent suspension in heads of terms. That's super interesting. What about service charge suspension? And are you seeing any other issues? In the big shopping centres, uh, service charge suspensions, which is written in there, is one line. But when you actually start to pick that to pieces, it's not quite that straightforward because the service charge is normally an on-account payment with an annual reconciliation. So if you just suspend the service charge, it might help with cash flow short term, but you're still going to pay for the full costs at the end of the year. So a bit of thought needs between the parties is needed between the parties as to. What's actually meant by that? Is it that the tenant isn't going to pay for any services, uh, service costs incurred during lockdown? Doesn't necessarily seem fair to me. Um, what I think 
tenants are hoping for, they'll get from landlords, though, is a real effort to drive costs down and perhaps even to look at the on-account charges that uh, are being levied. And the institutional lease at the moment doesn't really do much uh, to deal with that. There are provisions saying the landlord will try and provide the services efficiently, but there's no obligation on them to drive costs down and to perhaps say, well, hang on, actually, we might be able to help with a refund here or or lower the on-account payments for the rest of the service charge year. So I do wonder if that might start to become a change in service charge provisions. And for the most part, we've seen landlords and tenants working really well together. So like you mentioned, Richard, although the legal position is you can't, you know, tenants aren't due refunds. Likewise, there's no obligation, I don't think, in leases on landlords to issue refunds on service charge. But generally speaking, they are working quite well together and are starting to to look at those options. So perhaps the drafting of those might catch up. The other sort of issue I'm, I'm seeing is in the drafting of these clauses, because some of them were drafted a few weeks ago. Luckily, we've had slight relaxation in lockdown since then. But no one really knew where they were going with it. So I've seen a lot of clauses saying that it applies when there's a a national lockdown. But if track and trace gets going, it might well be regional lockdowns. So if we do have future lockdowns, the wording is going to have to be really carefully looked at. And it's quite a difficult job for the lawyers at the moment to try and keep it flexible enough when we're not quite sure where policy um, is going on this. I think that's right. I think I think also though uh, i think it's very important that there should be a balance of risk between landlord and tenant in terms of service charge suspension because in the ordinary course service charge is a cost to the landlord it's not something that the landlord makes any money out of um and it's it wouldn't be equitable i think for a tenant to expect simply for service charge payments to be suspended during any lockdown period. The other issue is how long does any suspension actually last? Because are we saying that a suspension will last for as long as lockdown lasts? Or are we saying that proportion of rent becomes payable at the point at which lockdown restrictions are relaxed? to allow more people into licensed premises, for instance? Should each tenant be prepared to pay a proportion of its rent once pub tenants start, for instance, to trade outside? Or should the suspension continue until they can fully trade? Um, You need obligations in leases for tenants to be under an obligation to maximise their ability to continue to trade from premises rather than give up at the first hurdle. Um, So there's an awful lot to think about in terms of generating a fair approach as between landlord and tenant. Yeah, no, I I think that's fair and probably need quite a lot of sharing of data both ways, turnover data, footfall data, that kind of thing. And I think we've got to probably be a bit careful about being too prescriptive in what we draft for now because things can change. A lot of the time on the longer term deals, we just started to see clients, I think, wanting to take their time and just see how the next few months go rather than committing to anything. It's slightly different. Short term deals with flexible rolling breaks, we're seeing much more sort of punchy drafting because 
both both parties have got to get out and can sort of look to renegotiate in a year's time for a, for a longer term deal. Okay, so given all that, where do you think we will end up in the future? For, for years, we've had this model institutional lease that has a rent suspension for damage by insured risks, which, as you mentioned sort of briefly earlier, I don't think covers pandemics, epidemics. Do you think we're going to, in 10 years' time, be having st- standard drafting? Uh, and if so, or if not, what do you think is going to dictate that? I think ultimately insurance is going to dictate uh, what happens in terms of drafting. I think if um, it becomes an insured risk, then the question then, or is it, if it is to become a, an insured risk, the question then is whether the landlord or the tenant are best placed to get the insurance. It may well be cheaper from the tenant's perspective to get its own insurance added on to business interruption cover. Um, but the landlord needs to be careful in that situation because if the tenant has business interruption insurance, but the landlord has already agreed to suspend rent in the case of a pandemic, the landlord may have difficulty in persuading the tenant's insurers to pay out because the tenant's insurers will simply point to the suspension of rent in the lease and claim that the tenant has suffered no loss. Yeah, it, it, it does feel a bit like sort of terrorism and uninsured risks and the drafting that developed around that in the early 2000s. I, I also wonder whether insurers might just be wary of this and worried about how hard they could be hit in future lockdowns. I mean, hopefully, within a few years, things will settle because the chances of another pandemic or epidemic should be low, touch wood, for the next next few decades. Um, but but if insurers are reluctant, I wonder if we might see some government back scheme similar to Paul Ree. But I, th- I think you're right. Long term, it does feel like the uh, the drafting will probably follow the, um, uh, the the insurance market. Thank you both so much. That was very very insightful. And for those listening, thank you for listening. Jamie, I believe, will be joining us in another episode to discuss the rise of turnover rent, so stay tuned for that. And, uh, yeah, grateful for any views that anyone else might have. Um, so, so please do do get in touch. Yes, absolutely. You can get in touch with us at marketing at wslaw.co.uk or emailing Jamie or Richard directly. We're also on LinkedIn and on Twitter at WSLaw. And we hope to uh, hear from you soon.